0: Can you lift your hands and entertain the presence of the Lord right now? Come on, he's in this room. His presence is evident in this place right now. Take advantage of it. Wade on into the presence of God this morning and let him strengthen you. Let him help you today. Let him bring you deliverance and victory in this place right now. Hallelujah. Trust in your God. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. If you can't feel God's presence in this place here today, I'm going to need to check your pulse. I'm going to need to call the security team. We're going to need to do a vital check. Because I'm going to tell you, God's presence is so obvious and so evident in this sanctuary today. And I'm glad you're here because God can do something transformative in your life if you will let Him. Something like this. Two months ago, my doctor found a growing lump in my chest. After going through the prayer line when Brother Kleindance was here and the healing line on Miracle Sunday, God healed me. I had a chest ultrasound today and there is no mass. Sister Eris, praise report today. Come on somebody, I'm telling you, he's still performing miracles. You're still in the presence of a God who can do the impossible. Hallelujah. your name. In light of that, I want to pray today for Brother Marshall's mother. He's on security duty today. His mother fell and is in serious condition this morning. And so knowing that God's presence is in here, amen, knowing that God is able, I want you if you would lift your hands right now and begin to pray for Brother Marshall's mother that God would bring healing to her body right where she is at. God, you know the situation. You're aware of the severity of the need, but God, there is nothing you cannot do. Reach down right now, God, in that room where she is at. God, mend the broken bones. Heal and restore right now. Lift up, God. Let this be a great miracle. Let this be a testimony, Lord, of your goodness. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to your name. Somebody say thank you for it, God. John chapter five. John chapter five. Verse 24. Verily I say unto you, he that heareth my word. Somebody say, hear my word. And believeth on him that has sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Did you know that was possible in a Sunday morning service? that someone could pass from death unto life. I don't just mean in the physical sense, and yes, it certainly can happen, has happened, still happens all of the time. But in a much more significant sense, somebody can spiritually pass from death this morning into life in the matter of moments in the presence of God. Today is going to be what I'm going to entitle Word Weekend. I'm preaching again tonight, and uh, so I'm going to quit at about 11.20, if not sooner. When God's ready, I'll quit, but I'll not go any longer than that. I've got more than I can preach already, I know, this morning, but I'm going to preach on the Word of God this morning, and I'm going to be back tonight preaching on the Word of God. We're going to call it Word Weekend. I'm just burning with anticipation this morning of what God can do when we begin to focus on the power of His Word. So this morning I'm going to preach on His Word is life. His Word is life. If you got your Bible today, I want you to hold it up real high. You are holding life in your hands right now. You're holding power. You're holding life in your hands right now because His Word is life. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you for your word today, God. Oh, your word is anointed. Your word is powerful. Your word is life-changing today. Let somebody hear your word. Let somebody respond to your word. Let somebody engraft the word of God into their heart so that it can change their life today because your word is life. In Jesus' name we pray Tell your neighbor before you're seated, his word is life. Change it up a little bit. Tell him his word is your life. In 1922, a team of scientists went to the Toronto General Hospital. Where numerous children with diabetes, often upwards of 50 at one time, were housed in wards. Most of these children were in diabetic comas. In what can only be described as their deathbeds. These children were waiting for a fate that at that time was deemed certain. They were going to die. Imagine the doom of that room. Imagine the grief of that place. However, there in 1922, the scientists brimming with determination promptly, with recent study and a breakthrough, began administering a newly purified insulin. As they injected the final comatose child, a miracle happened. The first child who had received the injection started to regain consciousness. And one after another, the rest of the children also began to wake up from their diabetic comas. And what was once a room of despair and imminent death, had become a beacon of hope and joy as one by one children in diabetic comas began to lift and raise from these beds and began to get up off these beds and walk around, began asking for their parents. Brothers and sisters, today, I want to let you know that what I present to you this morning is not just words on a page. It's not just literary intellectualism. It's not just a nostalgic book full of history and fairy tales. What I'm holding in my hand today is more than just coffee table decorations. It's more than a family heirloom. Today, my brothers and sisters, what I hold in my hands and what I present to you today is life. The word of God says, he that heareth my word and believeth on him shall have everlasting life. And he will not be in condemnation, but will move from death to life. It's the power of the word of God today. I want you to fall in love with the Word of God all over again. I want you to have a new reverence, a new respect. I want you to fall in love with God's Scriptures like you've never loved them before. Because, brothers and sisters, when you fall in love with God's Word, you fall in love with God all over again. What I preach to you today is more than just soothing your conscience. It's more than just entertaining your mind. What takes place from the moment I step behind this pulpit is more than just religious formality that allows you to check off some box and let you know I performed my religious obligation. I went to church. I clapped my hands. I heard a man preach, and now I'm done for the day. I want to let you know that what I'm preaching to you this morning is life to dead souls. It's life to dead dreams. It's life to dead futures. It's life to dead passion. It's life to dead purpose. His word is life. Someone say life. What I present to you this morning brings life to every facet of your life. What I present to you today is the literal life giving words of the life giver. Of the life giver. Someone say, His Word is life. life. Perhaps you think, of course, the Bible declares itself to be the inspired Word of God. Why even bother presenting the evidence? But there are reasons why we must review these claims and these implications. Stay with me just for a moment as we look at some fascinating biblical terrain. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, And verse 16, all Scripture is inspired by God. Someone say inspired. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. This is one of the clearest, most best-known statements in the Scriptures about the origin of Scripture. Scripture. The English word inspiration with its prefix in gives the impression that after the various books of the Bible were written, God breathed into them so that they were inspired. But the Greek word means that God breathed out, and the result was scripture. That's a big difference. There's a big difference in someone writing something down and God breathing over them and they become scripture. That's great, but you know what's better? When God breathes out scripture, when what you're holding is the literal manifestation of God's breath, you are literally holding the breath of God. The Greek word means breathe out. In other words, the Bible, metaphorically speaking, is the breath of God. I can smell God's breath. I can smell God on this. I can feel God when I read this. I can feel the inspiration and the life-giving power when I opened up the cover of this book and I began to engraft His Word into my life. That Bible you hold, not the pages, not the well-worn leather. I love this Bible. I've been preaching out of this Bible since I was about 19. And then Brother Fuller made me a nice cover several years ago. Pastor Huntley was in my office last night, and he said, Let me see that Bible. He thumped through that Bible. He said, Boy, that thing's been through a war or two, hasn't it? But I'm not foolish to believe that this cover or the pages of this Bible have any spiritual significance. What is spiritually significant is the words that are breathed into those pages, that the very breath of God. I want you to understand something today, that what God spoke in this is what He wanted you to know. It is His very breath. Has anyone ever heard of cardiopulmonary resuscitation? Sister Barbara, I know she knows what that is now. Sister Stacy, if she's here, there's a few of us. Me, I wouldn't have known unless you called it CPR. That's down on my intellectual level. It's the life-saving measures that someone can take to help someone who has either died or in the process of dying in an attempt to, to revive or resuscitate. Now, that's way too small for you to see, but that's my fault. You're gonna need God to breathe on you to be able to see that. You take my word for it. Here is the process for CPR. They literally place their mouth on the mouth of the individual who is in throes of death, and they breathe their breath into them. I want to remind someone today that the word of God has the ability to literally breathe life back into your spirit. The Word of God has the power to awaken dead desires in your life. I used to not want to pray. I'd quit praying. I didn't want to pray. But when I heard the Word of God, when I read the Word of God, when I got back into the Word, the desire to pray was reawakened in me. Dead dreams are reawakened when I read the word of God. Dead destinies are reseen. Dead relationships. Dead futures. Why? His word is life. The words of God are life. I want to let you know that I'm not, although I believe in it, I'm not promoting positive thinking today. I believe in positive thinking. I'm not soliciting self-help. There's a place for it. I love self-help, but I'm not soliciting that today. I wouldn't waste your time. I'm not qualified to do that. Somebody else needs to talk to you about positive thinking and self-help. I'm not peddling the latest pop psychology. I'm not qualified to do that. I've not been to school. I've not been trained in that. So I'm not peddling positive thinking or self-help or pop psychology, but I'll tell you what I am qualified to talk to you about, and that is life. I'm talking about life. It more than aids. It more than helps. It more than knocks off the rough edges. It more than makes you just a better person. It transforms. It revolutionizes. It changes who you are. It changes where you're going. It changes how you talk. It changes who you are in every area of your life. His word is life. Somebody say life. I want someone to hear the Word of God today. I want someone to receive the Word of God today. I want somebody to claim the Word of God today. I pray somebody obeys the Word of God today. I pray today someone speaks the Word of God today. In the Old Testament, the mouth of God was regarded as the source from which the divine messages came. Psalms chapter 33 and verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breadth of His mouth all of their host." That expression, "breath of His mouth, is the Hebrew equivalent of God breathed. God breathed. God, the Creator, used men to write the Scriptures. But they are God speaking. What do I mean by that? The same mouth that spoke all of creation into existence is the mouth that spoke producing scriptures. It's clear you understand this because if you don't understand this and you don't know the power of the word of God and when you get this revelation, you'll look at your Bible completely different. Inspiration does not mean It does not mean that God approved of their writings. It doesn't mean they wrote something down and God said, Good job. I approve of that. That's right. That's correct. That's not inspiration. It's important that you understand that His ideas became their ideas. And they... Accurately recorded what he wanted us to know. (laughs) He knew where you would be in the loneliest, darkest place of your life. He knew when you would be depressed and despondent and if you would get out the Word of God and begin thumbing through the pages, out of that God's breath would come out and what you need in that moment you would be able to find under the inspiration of God. It's alive today. (laughs) This is alive. The reason it brings life because it is a lie. So, they wrote life. According to Google, here are the steps to CPR. Number one, call an emergency number. In other words, recruit others to help involve the community. Don't try to do it by yourself. Hebrews 10 and 25 says this, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's important that you understand the significance of what is happening when we gather together in this room. You need to understand that when we gather together in this room, it is so those that are in need of help can get it. Those that are in need of strength, in need of healing, in need of moving from death to life, it can happen in this room, in the community of believers, not forsaken. the assembling of ourselves together. I'm reminded of what Romans chapter 10 and verse 14 says, How shall they call on him and whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And they shall preach. Thank God for that. And except they preach, they have to be sent. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. That's how Change happens in this place. It's how that lives are transformed. The word of God is preached. And life is given. Faith is elevated. And lives are changed. It involves the church. Pastor Huntley, in our leadership meeting Friday night, he pulled out the group that was there and he said, How many in this room here? received the Holy Ghost or had a significant encounter with God, I forget the exact words that he used, but you started your uh, journey with God or you experienced the new birth all by yourself. I think out of the group of 40 or 45, we had one. He told the story of, of one person that he knew in our family. But generally speaking, the overwhelming majority of people who encounter God and have a life-transforming moment with God, it happens at church. Right? It happens at church. It's not that God can't do it anywhere else. It's that when the body of believers get together... And we call one another together, and we assemble together, and we pray, and we call on God, and we attune to the preaching of the word of the Lord. We position and we posture ourselves for God to do a miracle in our life. And so, for CPR, the first thing you need to do is you need to call an emergency number. Number two, you check for vital signs. You check for vital signs. David said, "Search me, O God." And know if there be any wicked thing in me. When you come to church, I can preach until the cows come home. But if you don't think I'm preaching to you and you don't hear and respond and listen and open up your heart, you're wasting your time. You have to approach God's sanctuary. You have to approach the Word of God. You have to approach every service with anticipation. There is no doubt in my mind God's going to speak to me today. There is no doubt in my mind I'm going to get questions answered. I'm going to get help. I'm going to get strength. I know that preacher's going to preach to me today. That's why some people, every time I see them in the guest reception line, they'll say, Pastor, you are preaching to me again. You know why? They came into that service. They check their vital signs and they said I need the word of God today I need the help of God today I'm opening myself up to the preached word of the Lord and God spoke to them you gotta check your vital signs and say hey I need some preaching today I need some presence of God today step three Lift chin to check for breathing. (laughs) Lift chin and check for breathing. It is why, through the preliminary part of our service, you're probably going to hear a thousand times lift your hands, lift your voice, (laughs) lift your head, lift your eyes. What are we trying to do? We are trying to get you prepared for spiritual CPR because in just a moment the breath of God is going to breathe into this sanctuary (laughs) the breath of God is going to blow from one side of the sanctuary to the other And when that happens, we want to make sure that your spirit is ready and your heart is open and your eyes are cast towards the heavens and you're prepared and you're ready to receive the word of God. Step four, give rescue breaths give rescue breaths you literally place your mouth on the individual and you begin to breathe into their body and the bible says god's word is his breath hey there ain't no shame in coming into church and feeling despondent and down and depressed and spiritually stagnant and dead. I feel like a spiritual corpse this morning, Pastor. I don't feel anything. I can't respond to anything. I've been through so much. I've dealt with so much. I've had so much betrayal and disappointment and heartache. I just feel numb to it all. That's okay because the breath of God is about to breathe into this place. And if you lift your hands and you lift your heart, open up your heart, I promise you, God can resuscitate. God can revive. God can bring life back to you. Come on, I feel that in the Holy Ghost right now. There are people I'm preaching to uh, that you've given up. Uh, You've thrown in the towel. You're dead to destiny. Uh, You're dead to what God wants to do in your life. Uh, I've come to tell you, it's not over. You need to let the Word of God breathe back into your life. You need to open up yourself to the possibility that God is not finished with you yet. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. You cannot say it's over because you don't have the authority to say it's over. Why? Because he can resuscitate. He can revive. He can revitalize. You may think it's over. He says it's not over. Come on, somebody, it's time to start praying again. It's time to start believing again. It's time to say God is still going to do it. God can still work it out. Why? Because he can bring back to life that which was dead. I'm not just speaking words today. I'm not just reading out of a book today. Do you understand when I proclaim the words of God, I am proclaiming life. I thank God for first responders. I thank God for the life-saving measures that take place when someone's dying. But you understand what they are doing is revitalizing a temporary physical body that may not last another 10 minutes. But when a man or woman of God stands behind this desk and they proclaim the words of life, they are breathing back eternal destiny. Come on, somebody. CPR happens every Sunday morning around here. Spiritual resuscitation takes place every Sunday morning around here. You might as well let the Word of God bring you back to life. Bow your heads. I feel a prophetic word right now. Somebody has given up on that miracle. Somebody has stopped praying about that. There's a mother here that's already stopped praying. Come on, there's a family member right now that you've given up on. There's a miracle that somebody's been praying for, and you've already given up on it. I've come to tell you the Word of God is coming to breathe life back into that prayer. You need to get back believing God. You need to get back to knowing that He's able, that He's capable, that He wants to. But you've got to believe in the Word of God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, awaken the dead today, God. Oh, awaken the faith that has gone dormant in somebody's life today. Awaken that spirit, God, that has been put to rest. I pray today the dream, called, that somebody's buried. I pray God that they would dig it up and understand uh, that the breath of God has the ability uh, to bring back to life that which was dead Mm. someone say he can do it say it again he can do it step five perform CPR chest compressions You know what we call that, Pastor Barbara. We call that conviction. When the Word of God grips your heart, and I know I'm not the only one, and you feel like, why am I about to bust out crying while that man's preaching? Honey, it ain't me. It's the Word of God. And He's performing CPR in your life right now. And it feels like somebody's got your heart in a vice grip. I had a, a neighbor come, to church, and she had come two or three times years ago, and she'd say, Brother Rodney, I love you, church, but every time I come, I just want to cry. I just feel like just such a strong desire to just cry and, and weep before God. I said, that's the first step into a new life. <laughs> that's God doing chest compressions. <laughs> that's conviction that God is drawing you Yeah." And if you will respond to that, if you will respond to what God is doing, I promise you there's a new life on the way. There's a new direction. There's a new hope. There's a new peace that's about to take place. You don't always have to live in that moment. Thank God for conviction, but it is a means to a new life. It's God massaging that heart so the blood flow was again. We see this spiritual dynamic playing out in Acts the second chapter when in verse 14 the Bible says Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice unto them and he began to preach. He quoted scripture. He spoke out of the word of God. And then for the next 22 verses as a matter of fact, he began spiritual CPR in the upper room. He spoke life. He preached the Word of God. And it was then in verse 37 that chest compressions began to happen. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter unto the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Can I tell you today, if you approach the altar with the heart of obedience, if you approach God with the heart of obedience that says, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do whatever you ask. I surrender my will. I yield what I want to do. I submit to your plan. And if you do that, brothers and sisters, I can tell you new life is on the way. And then the final step of CPR is repeat steps four and five until help arrives. Just keep praying. Keep believing. Keep reading the Word of God. Keep doing what you know to do is right. And eventually, I promise you, uh, help will show up. Uh, I know we sometimes have to wait on the Lord. They that wait on the Lord uh, shall renew their strength. Uh, I want to challenge somebody here today. Uh, You may feel like uh, God's not going to show up. Uh, You may feel like life is not going to happen. But I want to challenge you uh, that if you'll keep believing uh, and keep trusting in God, uh, the Bible says they uh, that do not grow weary, Uh, they do not faint. I promise you, God will show up. Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. If you got your Bible, open up Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Verse 2 of chapter 37, Ezekiel. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were ver- very many in an open valley, and lo, they were very dry. It was a valley full of dry bones. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? Can it happen? Is it possible? Some of you are asking the same question as I'm preaching right now. Could it be possible? Could I entertain the idea that God might do that? Can these dry bones live? And I answered and said, Oh, Lord, God, thou knowest. And he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, Oh, you dry bones, hear what? Somebody say it again. Hear Hear the word of the Lord. Why? His word is life. His word brings life to dry bones. His word resuscitates. His word revives. saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. I will lay sinews upon you. I will bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as i was commanded and as i prophesied woo, there was a noise <laughs> behold a shaking and the bones came together bone to this bone and when I beheld lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above but there was no breath in them and I said prophesy unto the wind and say to the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live Verse 10 says, So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet. And what does the Bible say? They become an exceeding great army. Mamas, I want to tell you something. I want you to get your babies the best education you can get them. I want them to have everything you can afford. But there is nothing uh, that will put life into them uh, like the Word of God. all the degrees you can on the wall. Send them to Harvard or Yale or any other Ivy League. But mama, let me tell you something. Don't forget to walk into those babies' bedrooms with your Bible open up and proclaim life into their life. I'm all for education but education won't do it. I've got the smartest people that I know sometimes. I've seen them. They know everything you could possibly know. Their head's packed full of information, but their life is full of dead men's bones. I'm talking about kids that were raised on the pew. I'm talking about apostolic kids that cut their teeth on the pews, and their parents were so concerned about getting them a Ph.D. in some degree, in some form of education, and they forgot the most important thing, and that was to make sure the Word of God was breathed into their life. Can't you understand the reason we love Bible Christian around here is not so just people can recite scriptures when they're reciting scriptures. They are literally breathing life into their own life. Don't you know the Bible says save yourself from this untoward generation? You know how you do that? You engraft the word of God into your life. And then when you see a devil, you say, I rebuke thee. God is for me. Who can be against me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You have life in your head. Five minutes and we'll continue tonight. Recently the news erupted when Jeopardy fans were shocked that three contestants were unable to fill in the blank with the word from the Lord's Prayer. I don't know if you've ever seen Jeopardy but you want to talk about nerd mania. They make my head hurt just watching them. Random facts Random pieces of information, random historical places in geography, I don't even know how to say. And then they put the Lord's Prayer up there and there's one word missing and not a one of them can fill it in. And you wonder why our world is in the mess that we're in. You wonder why religion is dead. You wonder why people don't have a vibrant relationship with God that transforms their life. My God, I don't care what you packed your head full of. If this right here is not alive in your life, you don't have a chance. If you're going to get a degree and a Ph.D. and anything, it ought to be, I know the Word of God. I can know for certain that God breathed into my life. You can read all the books you want. You can fill up your shelf with dust, dusty books. You can pack your library. But can I tell you, there's only one book that's life. His breath. He didn't breathe onto them. He breathed them out. It's literally the breath of God. I'm for positive reinforcement, but positive reinforcement won't do it. There's got to be a godly mother somewhere that grabs her Bible and walks into those rooms and begins to speak the Word of God over her children. Where are the godly fathers that will pick up their Bible and speak life into their family? Not in a condescending pedestal of self-righteousness, not as an authoritative dictator to your family, but as a meek, humble servant of God proclaiming the words of life to those that you lead. Mama, thank God for your clean house. But if it's a tomb, you're wasting your time. When was the last time you spoke life into your house? Thank God for clean dishes. But is it a spiritual mortuary? Because clean dishes don't bring life. His word brings life. Thank God for decorations that beautify the house. But I've been waiting to preach against Christmas decorations for a long time. Especially right here in November. Christmas decorations don't bring life. You can have a beautiful home, and it can be a spiritual funeral home. Honey, let me tell you something. Only God's Word brings life. Only God's Word will bring life into your home. Thank God for decorations. Thank God for beautifying the home. But mama, pick your Bible up. Walk up and down the halls of your house and speak and proclaim the Word of God. All of you daddies standing and clapping your hands, I expect this next one if you do the same thing. I know where your tools are at. I was so impressed by Brother Erasimos a couple of weeks ago. I think it was All Nation Sunday. He was out there working on something. And he pulled his cargo van up to the church. And he opened the back door. And as a man, it sounded like the angelic choir singing when the doors opened up. Woo. I was like, tools were perfectly lined up on both sides. Expertly organized. I thought, man, even a dummy like me can build something with that. <laughs> man, I know you know where your tools are at. Where's your Bible at? Do you carry your Bible to work? Can your Bible be found in your truck? Is the Bible gathering dust in the, desk, in the dashboard, but your tools are well-worn and well-used? It ought not be because those tools may put a paycheck on the table and they may put calluses in your hand, but they will not put life into your family. Thank God for your vocation. Thank God for having a job. But if you ever think you can buy life into your family, if you think you can buy peace and you can purchase purpose, it won't happen. There has got to be a consistent and prevalent presence of God's Word in your life. I've got an active mind, especially at night. I hope I'm not the only one. I can be exhausted and sleepy and ready to go. Turn everything off. Lay down, close my eyes. And my brain's like, all right, time to clock in. Let me solve the world's problems right here. Let me think about it. everything that needs to be done in this house that you have forgotten about for two weeks, but I'm going to remind you of it right now as you're trying to go to sleep. So I have an active mind. So, not too long ago, I had this bright idea. Brother Ethan, I know what I'll do. I'll play the Bible while I'm trying to go to sleep. Now, if you're a young preacher and you can't relate to this, I'm going to question your calling. For me, that was a bad idea, Brother Ogden, because I lay there. (laughs) I don't even remember what chapter or verse it was. I'm laying there counting sheep. James Earl Jones is reading in the background. And then all of a sudden, my God. Hold on a minute. i got to write that down. All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Cut the light out. Put my pen and pad Ready to go sleep. Man, it wasn't no time. Boom. It didn't take me long after about two legal pads. God's word is not something I can go to sleep to. Because it brings me life. It brings passion and purpose. When I open this word up, It's like I'm sitting down with God and He's speaking to me. Do you think I could fall asleep while God is talking? If you're a young preacher and you fall asleep to the Word of God being spoken, I'm gonna question your calling because the Word of God should literally light your fire. You shouldn't get more excited talking about sports than you do about a revelation God showed you out of His Word. Just, I don't know, a couple days ago, Pastor Barber texted me. He said, call me when you get a minute. I said, I texted him back and I was on the phone with another preacher. I said, I'll text you back in just a second. I'm almost done with this phone call. I don't know, 45 minutes later, an hour later, me and the guy on the phone were still preaching to one another. Because His Word is life to me. And when I'm down, when I'm depressed, when I'm despondent, when I'm lonely, when I don't know what to do, when I feel death wrapping its icy arms around me, I don't need psychology, I don't need self-help. I don't need my favorite recreation, all of those things have their place. But none of those bring me life. His word. (laughs) His word saves my life. The Bible says in Luke chapter four, stand with me Luke chapter four. Verse sixteen. Oh, this is such a powerful passage of Scripture. Do you notice what takes place here? Jesus is walking into the synagogue and they handed him the Bible. Read on. This is what happens when the word of God is open. Heal the brokenhearted. Deliverance to the captives. Recovering of the sight to the blind. Set at liberty to them that are bruised. Preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And you know what happened next? He gave the word of God to them. And then he went and sat down. He was saying everything that you need to see the blind. With their eyes opened up. Everything you need to see, the broken heart mended, everything you need to see, the captives being released, is now in your hands. It's in your hands. In 2009, Don Ritchie, a former World War II Royal Australian Navy veteran, and a retired insurance agent was awarded a medal of the Order of Australia. From 1964, Ritchie saved 180 people from jumping off the cliffs that you see behind him by simply crossing the road from his property and engaging them in conversation. He would often begin with the words, can I help you in some way? And with those six, seven simple words, 180 people were saved from jumping off the cliffs. Afterward, Richie would invite them back to his home for a cup of tea and conversation remarkably some of those individuals would return years later to express their gratitude for his efforts in talking them out of their decision I'm trying to talk somebody out of throwing their life away today I can't do it on my own intellect, I don't have the words I don't have the oratory, there's not a speech written that I can convince you to do that today but the word of God can bring you life before you jump off that cliff, before you throw it all away, before you give up on Godwin, what you've been praying for him to do, before you cash it in on that miracle and say, God won't, God can't. It's not going to happen. Can I just challenge you a moment today to let God's breath breathe onto you, to let his spirit remind you that he can bring life to that which you thought was dead. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to tell somebody something. There's people in this room right now that I am 100% certain that you've given up on things that God has not given up on. The greatest tragedy in your life is for you to give up on something before God does, for you to call it to an end when the Omega has not said it's over. If you're here this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, out of respect, out of privacy, here today and you say, Pastor, there are things in my life that are dead spiritually right now. I've either given up on them happening. I've said God can't do it. He won't do it. It's not possible. Maybe it's a spiritual discipline. Pastor, I used to pray regularly. I used to have a relationship with God that was full of life, but now it's dead. It's not what it used to be. It's, I can't even find vital signs anymore. You're here and that describes you. Would you have the courage? And I'm not gonna call you out, not gonna come back to where you are. But I need for you to acknowledge this to yourself. Would you raise your hand right now and say, That describes me this morning? Come on. Come on, church. I wish you could see what I could see right now. It it looks like a cemetery. There's a lot of people out there that they've buried things that should not have been buried. They have pronounced death over things that God has not given up on. Here's what I want you to do if you're one of those individuals that you raise your hand. You say, I have given up on something that I don't know God has given up on. I've stopped doing something that I don't believe God ever intended on me to stop doing. And that has created spiritual death in me. There's a prayer I've been praying. I stopped praying because, God, I didn't think you would would do it. As they began to sing, I want to open these altars up to you right now and give you the opportunity, let the Word of God breathe life back into you. Back into that circumstance. Back into that possibility. Back into that dilemma. Come on, that's it. Like the dry bones came back to life. God wants to bring back to life things that you had given up on. I made a mistake, Pastor, and now I don't think it can happen. I failed. I let God down. I did something that failed God, and now I've given up on it. I want to tell you today, the Word of God says it's not over. The Word of God says don't give up on that yet can bring life to dry bones. He can bring life to that which you thought was dead. Come on, that's it. Lift your hands and say, God, let me receive that life. Come on, lift your hand, lift your hands and say, God, breathe that life back into me. Someone near you right now may be feeling despondent. Someone near you right now may feel like giving up. Pray for them. Reach over. And ask God to breathe life back into them. I proclaim life. You have come to give life and life more abundantly. Let the bread of life begin to feed a hungry soul right now, God. Claim your word right now over your people, Jesus. I claim healing. He I claim restoration. Revive. Restore right now, Jesus. You fail. You won't, fail. He won't fail. In the name of Jesus. I proclaim life into somebody right now. He's not giving up on you. Come on, sister. He hasn't wrote you all. Come on, I see life. I see life happening right now. I see restoration. I see recovery. See people rising from spiritual coma's right now In the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus